Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 127, Understanding the Body Language of the Wild Turkey with Philip Vanderpool. And I am your host and the guy who has hit the wall. So what does that mean? Well, I'm now at that point in the turkey hunting season to where I'm waking up at 4.30, actually a little bit before 4.30, without the alarm clock going off. I have hit the wall, and my body has gotten adjusted to it. Much the same way distance runners hit the wall while they're running, where they experience extreme exhaustion and muscle fatigue before they hit the wall, and then they hit the wall, and all of a sudden it's kind of like a state of euphoria for them. It's a little bit of a high. So I have hit that turkey hunting high. My body's gotten adjusted to its new wake-up time. It's gotten adjusted to... What has been, at times, four hours of sleep a night, and it's ready to rock and roll. And it came none too soon, because we are 32 days, 3 hours, 44 minutes, and 17 seconds away from the end of spring turkey hunting season in Alabama. All right, so I've got a quick gobbling report for you guys from my ears. This is what I'm experiencing right now. We've got kind of a messed up spring going on here in Alabama. What I'm seeing is we've got some birds who kind of act like it's late spring. They've got no hens and they're gobbling pretty good. We've got some birds who are still henned up with 8 and 10 hens. We've got some birds who have hens early in the morning. They'll gobble a few times on the roost, fly down, get quiet, and then they'll start gobbling mid-morning after they lose those hens. So we really kind of seem to have all phases of the breeding cycle going on right now. I think a lot of that probably has to do with the turkey population in the areas that I'm hunting. In those areas that have lots of turkeys, those turkeys still seem to be relatively hinned up. In the areas that don't have lots of turkeys, those turkeys might have one or two hens with them early in the morning. They'll gobble a few times on the roost, fly down, get quiet, and then start gobbling again. Or they have no hens with them, and they fly down and they're gobbling. 
trying to call in a hen. So I'm seeing things kind of all over the place here. If you're hunting already, I'd like to hear from you. And I would like to know what the birds are doing in your area. So email me, andy at iamturkeyhunting.com, and let me know where the birds are in the breeding cycle in your area, what a little quick gobbling report is, and I'll read some of these on upcoming shows. All right. So last Sunday, I got home from hunting, and I walked into my house, went up into the kitchen, and my wife was standing in the kitchen with her arms crossed and all of her weight on one leg. The other leg kind of kicked out to the side with her foot pointed off to the side, and she had a look on her face that just did not scream, I'm so excited to see you. My wife didn't have to say a word to me. I knew something was wrong, and I just assumed it was me. Of course, it wasn't me because I never do anything wrong, and it turns out she was just playing around with me. She didn't have to say anything for me to know that something was wrong. Reading her body language and most other people's body language is relatively simple, not just for me, but for everyone. We've been doing it our whole lives, and those unspoken words can often and tell others a lot about our mood and our thoughts as well. Well, wild turkeys and pretty much all other animals also have a way of communicating with each other about their moods and their thoughts without vocalizing. Understanding the body language of animals that we hunt can tell us what our next action needs to be and how quickly we need to take that action. All right, so it's time for me to step into the circle of trust here. I understand the body language of white-tailed deer pretty well because I watch a lot of white-tailed deer throughout hunting season, and I have watched a lot of white-tailed deer throughout my whole life. I am pretty sure that I know how comfortable a white-tailed deer is when it's out in a food plot 100 or 150 yards in front of me or that deer's just walking through the woods. And I know these white-tailed deer because of what I just said. I watch a lot of deer during deer season. But if you're like me, then you don't often give wild turkeys a chance to teach you their body language. Because once a wild turkey gobbler gets into range, your mind is in kill mode. I feel like the more I can learn about the body language of a wild turkey, then the more relaxed I can be around them and watching them, and that that will make me a better turkey hunter. I also felt like that in order to learn about their body language, I needed someone who has filmed and watched a lot of wild turkeys over the years. And in February, when I ran into Philip Vanderpool at the National Wild Turkey Convention in Nashville, I knew that he would be a great person to teach me and you guys about understanding the body language of a wild turkey. Now, because I already know what Philip is going to teach us since I interviewed him, I'm going to shut up, play the interview, and let you know what I now know. Here's Philip Vanderpool sharing his knowledge of the body language of the wild turkey, and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am excited to tell you that today I have on the line with me Philip Vanderpool, and Philip is Well, I can't say he is with The Virtue. He is The Virtue TV. And so, of course, he's got other people with him. So, you know, I don't want to sell them short. But I wanted to get Philip on the show today to talk to us about how to understand or how to read the body language of wild turkeys. And this is something that 
I was telling Philip before we started the recording that even though I've killed a bunch of turkeys in my life, I, when I watch these videos on YouTube and when I watch these hunting shows on TV and I see a, a turkey coming into a, a decoy setup or just coming into a setup, period, and I see that gobbler go from being all puffed up and showing off to now he's out of strut and he's standing up and he's got his head up and he might take a step or two. I'm thinking, shoot him. He's about to go. And then all of a sudden, he'll just puff back up and go into strut. So I don't even know how to read the body language of a wild turkey very well. So I'm going to get as much out of this as you guys are. And I feel like Philip's a great person to go over this with us because he has a TV show that they do a lot of turkey hunting on. And so he gets to see this happen not only live and in person, but also they get to watch it back. And so he's got a lot of experience in reading the body language of a turkey. And I'm going to pick his brain to death today to get as much info as I can out of him. And I can tell you that he's got the info and he is ready to share it. Philip, how are you and where are you today? Well, first of all, I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. And I tell you, I'm just now leaving Warsaw, Missouri. I just drove from Florida last night. Got to my place in Arkansas about, got in bed about 6.15, got up about 8.15, got about two hours sleep. Wow. Repacked, regrouped, picking up Clint up here. He's regrouping. That's where he lives here in Warsaw, Missouri. And we are headed to Nebraska for the opener archery season. And I don't know, we're going to be pretty late setting blinds up tonight. I'm afraid probably after midnight. Yeah. Well, it can be it can be tough, but it's it's been a good season so far. Been blessed so far, you know. We we went to Florida and Alabama and had awesome success in both states. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know, those of us sitting at home when we watch these turkey hunting shows, we think, boy, I sure would love to do that for a living. That would just be great. But we don't see all the behind the scenes stuff and what it takes to get there, and you know, make make sure that you give yourself the best opportunity for success that you can possibly do and still keeping the camera in mind and your hunter that you're taking with you, if you're taking one in mind and it's a tough go. You have a lot of days where you do just what you did this morning, two hours of sleep well, and you're back at it and moving again. And I do this for three months. You know, we started March 8th and, and have been, and we'll go till through May 31st. So, you know, right. pretty much about a three month, tour across the United States doing it. I did 10 episodes with the virtue, but I'd be lying to you to tell you I don't love what I do. Oh, I'm sure. Because, you you know, find a job that you love to do and you'll never have to work a day in your life. That's true. And that's basically what I've done and I've been able to make a living for 25 plus years in the hunting industry and the good Lord's blessed me. But the thing that I can tell you this is it is long hours and everything. But what I'm trying to do out here, first of all, we run not just one video camera. We run several. Or when I video hunts, I run several cameras because I try to keep it live. And I try to get, like you're talking about, watching the turkeys, understanding the body language, both audio and video. I pick up a lot of audio even. And I can give a lot of folks tips and stuff, easy way to video their hunts. And they never even thought about it. But, right. you know, it's something I can do to, to help out. I've been, like I say, I've been doing it a long time. And 
was with hunter specialties for almost 16 years, but understanding turkeys, and, and let me just say this, I've been around them a lot, but if you ever get turkeys figured out, please let me know. Because just when you think you got them figured out, they're going to pull something on you. <laughs> And where are you out, buddy? I mean, uh, it make you look like a dummy. Absolutely. <laughs> that's one thing I can tell you. Well, but that's what keeps us going out there, isn't it? It's exactly right. Yep, yep. I mean... Predicting the unpredictable. <laughs> no doubt about it. You know, exactly. it, it makes it fun. I, there's no question. If, if we knew yep. exactly what those birds were thinking all the time, there'd be no reason to hunt them. So it wouldn't be any fun. Yeah, there you go. All right, so... Philip, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. You know, uh, born and raised there in the Ozark Mountains there uh, in northwest Arkansas. And really, I guess north central, just about 30, 40 miles south of Branson, Missouri. And okay. that's really where I started my turkey hunting in the Ozarks there at a young age. And I learned how to turkey hunt from... An old Alabama boy himself, Ben Rogers Lee. He used right. to make those little cassettes, and, and that's what I listened to, and that's how I learned to turkey hunt is from those little cassettes that Ben had. And that? later on, I got to meet him at Bass Pro there in Springfield, Missouri, and we became good friends and stayed in contact, and I'd always come up and see him when he would be in our neck of the woods, and he hunted with a good friend of mine, Steve Cavender, down there close to home. and Anyhow... That's how I started turkey hunting is, is learning how through the cassettes and, of course, through trial and error. Believe oh, me, yeah. there was a bunch of that, you know. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. but uh, being an avid hunter at a young age, you know, I mean, deer hunting and stuff and squirrel hunting and coon hunting and everything else, uh, turkey hunting seemed, it came to me pretty easy, and there wasn't a lot of people at turkey hunting when I first got into it. And right. so, I mean, I had a lot of success early. Oh, there again, I listened to those tapes over and over and over, and, and I, I wasn't around anybody when I first started turkey hunting. I wasn't around anybody. I, I went in at the local whole sporting goods there, and, and they knew a little bit about it, you know, but mm-hmm. everybody was real secretive about turkey hunting. I oh, don't yeah. know. I mean, it was like, well, you just couldn't get much out of anybody around there close to home. Sure. So, you know, it, it started out, but... I, I, you know, getting around, getting out there and, and learning the turkey call. And, and, and I'll never forget, you know, when, when I first, especially my first big gobbler. I mean, I used the Ben Lee calls, obviously, and that was what I was using. Use his little tone trough and his mouth calls. And, and then I used the Lynch, Lynch box call, you know, there's uh, right. the old double sided, uh, and then that had the foolproof box call and stuff. And that's, that's what I started out with. And just playing with those a little bit and, uh, you know, got, got lucky right off the bat my first year and, and shot my first long beard. It was, it was quite an experience. Yeah. Um, now my first, my first turkey obviously was a Jake and, um, didn't do a whole lot. I actually called the whole flock in, uh, the, the hens, it seemed like the turkeys were very vocal and I was on public land. I mean, I had to do all this on public land, but that's, that's basically how I got started and I just stayed with it. But, you know, now everything is is out there. I mean, it's so much easier for somebody to get into turkey hunting now than it was back in when I did it. Right. We, obviously, we didn't have decoys. We didn't have all the modern technology that we've got now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, uh, it's uh, it's came a long way, and so was the turkey call. But the oh, turkeys absolutely. have evolved, and, you know, 
as as we have, I think, on the educational part. I can remember when you took a Featherflex decoy and set one out, and I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. I've got some old footage on VHS dates. It's just mind-boggling where I'm actually walking up because I had to get to work, and I, I would play with these turkeys and, and everything. I'd call them up, and, and, and that's how I learned. I mean, obviously, everybody gets upset because you're calling turkeys in before season. But I, I was doing some of that just because I was trying to get myself educated to find out what was working, what wasn't. Right. And that Featherflex decoy come out, that changed the whole ball game. I got, like I say, I've got footage walking up with the video camera in my hand and walking up, and the turkey almost let me get right up to them. They were so wound up, and they'd been there for 30, 40 minutes on the decoy. And and <laughs> me walking up there, and this is, like I say, out in the middle of nowhere on public land. It's crazy. Right, yeah. That wouldn't happen today, but, uh, would it? No, sir. No, mm. sir. It's it's. I say the turkeys, have, I don't know why and how, but they have evolved with us. Uh, and they and absolutely the have. Process. Yep. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. So it's a good thing that they exactly. did evolve. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, you know, in the intro, like I said, you get to watch a lot of turkeys. And a lot of that has to do with what you told me when we were talking the first time on the phone. And that is, if we don't have the footage we want, we don't shoot. And so yeah. that tells me that there's a lot of watching going on and a lot of reading turkeys and you're exactly right yeah you learn to read their body language yeah and and you know as i was saying in the intro to the show that i misread it still more often than not when i'm watching these shows i'll see that gobbler stick his head up and i'll think you better shoot him he's about to run and he'll puff back up and go back into strut so you know i'm i'm wanting to learn a little bit about this too but something that that i have picked up on over the years is what I think is the easiest or one of the easiest things for us to be able to read on a gobbler, and that is the color of his head, neck, and wattles. So can we talk a little bit about that first and talk about what those different colors that you see on the turkey's wattles and and his head and neck mean to you when when he's coming in? Obviously, the first thing, if he's got that snood pulled in, He's probably looking, and he's more cautious when he's got that snood pulled in. Now, if he's got that relaxed, and that's hanging off the side of his bill, you're okay. When okay. he's coming in like that, and then when you're seeing that red, white, blue, and that real red, he's excited. Basically, I mean, it's that time of year, and uh, he's sexually excited as he's right. coming in. But when you see that head lose that color, and it turns white all the way down the neck, that's when he's the most sexually excited, mm-hmm. when it's almost a solid white with those waddles and stuff as he's coming in. Now, I'll tell you what, probably more than anything in the world, a, a clue that if if a turkey comes in and he's really, oh, I mean, he's alert, he's looking, you know, and uh, maybe you've got decoys, maybe you don't have decoys, but in a situation where you're watching him, if you see him fold that wing, he had tucked one wing and then tuck his wing. That's when probably to be ready. Nine times out of ten, he's going to turn and walk away. Right. Or run off, one of the two. And if he clucks, obviously, or putts, he's something, you know, something probably is a little out of place. I have sometimes seen gobblers, what we call gobbler 
putts or clucks, and he's doing that to a hen, and he may still be slightly fanned out or, you know, his head still be red and that snood hanging down. The snood tells me everything because when he draws that up, he's not in the mood for nothing. He's really cautious, uh, you know, and looking as much as anything. But watch those colors because when you see that red color, and I'll give you an example. Yesterday, no, not yesterday, that poor yesterday in Florida. I'm calling. It's late afternoon. It's hot. We're sitting there. I've got the decoy set up. I've got a, a kid actually running the big camera, and I'm running about three, four. I'm running four cameras myself on myself on decoys, mm-hmm. uh, everything. But I call. This gobbler never says a word. It's 530 in the afternoon. I'm looking. This thing is running, running right into us. And what he does, I mean, his head is just blood red, red, white, and blue. I mean, the colors are just beautiful. Right. And he's coming through there. That's the first thing I spotted. And I tell the boy, get ready. Well, he comes running in there. But we've got brush between him and I. We're in a little opening to decoys, but we're in brush there. And that doggone thing, when he pulled up, he stops. He pulls that head back. And I, t- I can't tell you whether he's seen me because I was hunting with a crossbow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know whether he saw me or just didn't like the decoy. But I will say this. A lot of times they don't, especially in the South, they don't like decoys in situation. I don't like to use them in, in the woods if it's very thick. If, if, if they see them all of a sudden, I don't know why, but a lot of times it seems like it'll spook them. As long as you've got it out in the open, the visibility is everything. Let them size it up. I'd lot rather have it in more of an open area if I can. The, the, the problem was the way he came in, there was brush all the way up to it, and then that decoy was like three yards from it. And boom, he sees that. He takes off at a dead run. Never putts, never clucks. I never saw the, the color of the head leave him, but <laughs> didn't take him long to get gone. So, you know, right. I'm just trying to use a classic example there. Sometimes they don't gobble, especially down in the south. They just come slipping in. And I don't, I like to hear them gobble, but a lot of times they don't. And that was in Florida. Right. But, yeah. But just a perfect example of different things that they do. They don't always, but most of the time, if they see something, they're going to clutter, cluck or putt and before they're headed out, you know, they'll, and then they're gone, you know, mm-hmm. so you have to be ready. But as long, and the thing I see a lot is when that turkey's coming in, just, just have patience. The, the main thing about a turkey, you can get away a lot with, with something. If you're, say you're caught off guard because it's hot, maybe you got your gloves and your face mask down. You may get away with that if, as long as he don't see movement. I'm telling you, movement is everything with a turkey. They catch right. anything. That's where it has to be so careful. And then, and and they can change their body language so fast, as you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can change so fast. But the main the main thing, videoing over the years, watching turkeys and stuff, and I do it, you know, to inform, educate, and entertain, you know, for the for the footage, but have patience. I know sometimes it's hard because your heart's beating one out of your chest when that son comes out there and he's, you know, coming in, you're seeing him and you're trying to watch him and boy, that old, you know, you're breathing hard, your mouth gets dry and you're afraid to make a call just because your mouth's dry, especially with a mouth call, you know, right. you can't hardly do it with your hand. If once you, once you see him, chances are he can see you if you move. So right. you got to be careful on that. So, yeah. Um, uh, but the main thing is, if you see a turkey coming in and he tucks those wings and that head comes up and you see that snoot come in, drawing in, 
nine times out of ten, he's seen something. But okay. uh, there again, you know, you can be patient. You may, he may still not just run completely off. He it, maybe he just is a little cautious. You don't know whether he didn't like something about the decoy or setup. Maybe he's just a subdominant turkey been whipped off, and he's just not maybe strutting all the way or whatever, but he's just leery. The hand's not coming to him. He's like, well, I don't know if I want to get in any closer. He may be right around the corner and whip, whip me when I come around there, you know? Right, yeah. It's just body language, watching the body language, you know, because usually when turkeys come in, most of the time when you're calling to them, even if they're not in full strut, I do try to watch that head. And like you said, that red really pops out and that white around the crusty, part of the top of his head and then mm-hmm. the blue on the side under the eyes and stuff, most of the time you're in pretty good shape. But the snood will tell you everything, because I can tell you right now, he can go from that thing hanging plumb down past his beak there, you know, and just all of a sudden it draw up. When you see that draw up, I can just tell you right now, he's, he's probably fixing the leak. Okay. So the snood knows, huh? <laughs> the snood knows is exactly... It's it's a big part of of the turkey, you know. They're, they're, you know, watching what they're doing and yeah. tucking them wings. If if he comes, you know, maybe he's in strut, and then all of a sudden he stands up, stretches that head. Now, if he tucks those wings, usually he'll do one side, then the other, real quick. That's probably telling you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, I have or they will settle back down. You know, they just they're they're just when they tuck them, they're they're just they're ready to either run or fly. Is the bottom line. They're sitting on sick them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So is there any other kind of sign other than that putt and watching that snood draw up and a wing tuck that, that you kind of, a lot of on? times you, you can watch. Okay. Now that just like I was telling you, like that Turkey did uh day before yesterday, when he was coming in, he was walking real fast. Mm-hmm. Stop and say, you, you know, you're having a position and you're trying to let him go behind that tree, and then he stops, and he pulls that head way back, just yeah. be ready, because if he stops, and then all of a sudden he pulls that head back in position to take a second look at what he thought, he just seen some movement or something didn't look at look in place, be ready then, because a lot of times that's it, that's that's when he's going to turn face and run. Okay. He, he saw something out of place, you know. But nowadays, you know, obviously we got blinds and we've got these little, I mean, you can, you know, obviously you got decoys, fans, everybody. I mean, it's amazing what all we've got nowadays to to try to get a turkey in to, to get him, you know. But uh, right. I still love the old-fashioned way. I love the running gun, you know, where you set up with a trio traditionally and, you know, you're walking an old log road and you call and he gobbles out there and you set up and then call him in is my very, very favorite way and, and I love to do it in a timber more than I do in the field. But obviously, in the Midwest, we get most of our footage out here in 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 the more open areas, and and uh, you know people can see it better, you know, for one thing, and they can see right. the decoys. It yeah. is it is about the visibility and the calling. Now, if you'll notice another thing, when you've got decoys, especially eastern turkeys, whether it be the I mean, Osceola, obviously, and the eastern. Normally, when they lock on to the decoy, they see the decoy. You won't, you can't hardly get one to gobble. Then he starts his strutting, right. walking on in. He's locked in on them, uh, spitting and drumming. That's where usually, yep, the spitting yeah. and drumming will take place. But the the gobbling, it is just hard to get him to 
throw a gobble out. Occasionally you will, but for the most part, they'll just walk on in after, you know, after they see that decoy, especially a hen decoy. Right. You yeah. Know, J- Jakes are going to come in more aggressive on, you know, or, or a fanned out gobbler, you know, if you got one for a decoy, obviously. But uh, once they lock in, it's kind of like a deer on a decoy. Most of the time you they lock in, you've got a pretty good opportunity if you'll just stay still, be patient, and wait for your shot. When You know? Yeah. But uh, very seldom when I run a gun, I mean, growing up and stuff, I, I didn't use a decoy a whole lot especially in the timber, but that was one of my very fa- favorite ways was just to, you know, get on a ridge top, you know, no log road, it'll go and go and go. And, and then, of course, I was in that mountainous terrain, just walking through there and calling and stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously scratching in the leaves, things like that add, add to it. That's how they got that Florida gobbler in there yesterday morning for Clint was just, Justin was back there just kind of scratching in the leaves. I think that just was enough to settle him down to walk right on in. You know, right. that realism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. And, and you're right. These turkeys that are east of the Mississippi are are wise. And Yes, sir. You can go west of the Mississippi, and it's like the education yeah. system's not quite as good. But, you know, you can still get duped out there by a turkey, obviously. But it's, they're not uh, like these east of the Mississippi. It's the same thing with predator hunting. You know what? Same thing pretty much with a predator hunting, too. Yeah. Not to change the subject, but I think you just got thicker cover. Alabama, in my opinion, I mean, Mississippi probably can be pretty tough there and, and even Florida, but I think overall, Alabama turkeys, especially in L.A. down there in lower Alabama, I tell you what, them turkeys are something else to get. I mean, they just it amazes me how they can come through that thick stuff. They've learned and adapted to thick cover is what blows me away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called to. one up the other day, five feet come in behind me, and how he walked through that to get to me, I don't have a clue. Briars and thick stuff and walked right to me, pinpointed the call. I couldn't do nothing. I was calling up, trying to call it up for a little girl, and we were running and gun. And uh, by golly, he come in, he come right to the call. Instead of coming out in a little opening out there, we didn't have a decoy. Yeah. And instead of walking on out in that opening, he did not. He come straight <laughs> right in behind me. And that fixed up just is crazy. They'll drive you crazy. There's no question about it. Goodness gracious, alive. And you talk about birds east of the Mississippi. When they see a hen, they pretty much stop gobbling and they they go into show-off mode and that's what they do i mean these alabama birds are notorious for that and yes they they will spit and drum and strut the last hundred yards coming in and i'll bring somebody to alabama to hunt from out of state and they're like why'd that bird quit gobbling he's gone he's something's (laughs) happened he's called in a hen or he's gone he's gone the other direction i'm like no (laughs) you just sit here and be quiet and watch and listen so. It's funny you said Alabama. I, I, I've called up several turkeys over the years for other people, outdoor riders, and special needs kids. You know, a lot. I do a lot of that the last mm-hmm. three, four years. I've done a lot of special needs. But I'll tell you right now, you, you may not believe this, but I've never shot a turkey in Alabama. Have you not? I've never shot it once. I've never hunted. I'll be done. I've never hunted Alabama of uh, uh, turkeys or deer. Well, but you've seen your fair share <laughs> of them hit the dirt. I have. Yeah. I mean, I used to run with old Eddie Salter and then run camera for him a lot and stuff, you know, and him and I spent a lot of time out there, but I've never killed a turkey in Alabama. <laughs> I, I knew Eddie wouldn't let you shoot. 
I, I just knew that about him. I've never hunted with him, but I just had a feeling Eddie's going to shoot one out from under you. You've got to watch him. I'm going to tell you right now, right there's a guy that probably understands Alabama turkey as good as anybody uh, there is. Yeah. And, and, and I've learned a lot from Eddie because I've called – you know, these Midwest turkeys out here, and when you start getting out west, I, I do a lot of calling. I mean, it, I don't know that you can call too much to a Marion or, or a Rio, but now Eddie, buddy, now I've learned a lot on his calling techniques and what, knowing when to call and just watching him because, it, you know, those turkeys are a different breed. They just, you can't wear them out with a call. It, you do much of that for two or three, four days in a row, you're you, oh, yeah. you can't hardly get one to gobble. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I, You're right. You have to tiptoe around them. Sure do. And that's why you really have to watch the body language when one's coming in. It's, I mean, you really have to be ready and be patient <laughs> and, and and watch that turkey and, and be careful with your movement because they, if they catch something, they're gone. Right. Yeah. So uh, in talking about posture and body language, you mentioned the yep. snood, and that when that snood is long and hanging over the turkey's beak, yep. that he's relaxed. What yep. what are are there any other kind of keys there? I mean, obviously, if a turkey's feeding or pecking around, he's he's about as relaxed as he's going to get. But right, right. I mean, yeah, feeding or just you know, I mean, midday, you know, I mean, if he's in strut, I mean, don't get me wrong, they can get out of strut pretty quick. Sure, um, they. That, a lot of times, you know, he, he'll keep that fan about half fanned. He he may kind of stay in strut, but stretch up, and that front, his feathers around his breast and stuff will come in a little bit, and he'll raise that old head and look. You're still okay nine times out of ten. Don't, and that's where a guy, a lot of guys make mistakes. Oh heck, and they'll shoot him out there too far, thinking, mm-hmm. oh, that's as far as he's going to come. He's fifty, sixty yards. You know, he's not quite yet. In, in good, comfortable shooting range anyway, and a lot of guys will not be patient enough. If, but that's that's where one of those deals, watch him to see if he sucks back in or if he does a little something. Maybe give him a soft soft cluck or a purr. I like to do a you know, cluck and a purr and and just a little soft something other or maybe just a real soft, just, you know, just something to bring him on in like that. That's what I did. Two days ago with Scott, he got a fellow that uh, I took in a wheelchair to finish his Grand Slam, and and he's paralyzed. And uh, but I'm telling you, that turkey come 250 yards down 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 the road to the two track to the decoy, and he gobbled. I heard him gobble one time, and probably after he come off the roost. And we sat there, and all I did, he would almost lose interest. And what it was, he was not a dominant gobbler. He would not pull that fan all the way up and display it and, and do those figure eights. He would. Right. He kept it about half down, I guess, maybe three quarters out there. He, he, you know, there again, I was really watching his body language. He was tiptoeing to us, and there were several times I thought that he was going to lose interest. So I basically just when he would, of course, I don't have a collar or anything in my mouth right now, but when he would turn. And, uh, you know, maybe come and zoom in on him there. I had two different cameras running on him. So I would that just I would just do some little, little, you know, soft yelps. Just 
mm-hmm. just enough that I could tell he was hearing it, right. and he just kept inching and inching on. I think if I would have hammered him, I think he'd have took off in a dead run. <laughs> You're probably right. And and I think the situation is he ended up being a big two-year-old turkey, and I think he'd probably been whipped off. But he thought, well, you know, as long as I keep my mouth shut and I strut around a little bit, and I'm out here in this open world, it walked to me. But it took him at least 15, 20 minutes to come that 250 yards to us. But Scott got to finish the deal. But watching him, now once, talking about that body language, he was mesmerized. He was one of them that just when he got that last 20 yards, he was in full strut except for his fan. His fan was not up and, and displayed. It was a I'd say half fan, maybe, you know, you see him when right. it's kind of rolled, rolled over, you know, uh-huh. half fan and just kind of rolled over there. And and he was so mesmerized, he walked right on in, and he never knew knew what he did. I'll just tell you, he, he was just locked up when he got there. And that's the difference between using a hen decoy most 90% of the time versus, say, a jake. If Gobber comes in and Scott Aggression comes a jake, he's coming in, he's usually, you know, that's there's there's a lot of misses there because guys get so anxious that turkey bam 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 it comes in hits that decoy and he's showing that aggression and he's wearing it out and just give it a little bit of time he'll he'll settle down enough that you'll get a shot eventually or if he hits the decoy i've seen him hit the decoy so hard that it made a popping sound and spooked him a little bit but most of the time he will Go out there a little bit and stop, turn around, you know, and still give you the shot. The main thing is just wait on the shot and have patience. Right. And, and on a hen, they come in a little bit more mesmerized. They're going to strut around her. You'll usually be able to get your gun up, even if you got your gun down. He'll keep that fan, you know, he'll spin around where that fan is blocking his head where you can get your gun up on your knees. Just watch the noise. You know, watch and making too much movement all of a sudden if he turns his head one way or the other. Right. A turkey, when they're looking away from you, if he ain't got that fan up totally pretty much blocking his head, he can still see you about as good from behind as he can forward. Sure. That's what a lot of guys understand. Those heads, I mean, the, you know, the eyes are actually on the side of it. So, right. But yeah. They normally, you know, if, if they see something, they, you know, I'm in a lot of times if it's something that spooks them really quick, then they, they can get out of there. You know how it is. They can they can get out of there and really not give you any indication. I've seen that in a situation, but most of the time, if you'll just have patience and just wait on, especially if you're using a decoy or something to get him around there in position for you. Now, if you're hunting, rolling big timber or something mountain country or something it can be a different deal especially come in from behind you're off to the side especially the, the offside that you're not if you're right-handed and it comes in on your right it's tough to get around uh you know that's why i always try to set up when i'm setting up if i'm right-handed to where i can shoot from all the way around and have the decoy you know pretty much to my left about halfway you know, kind of sit in a position where you can still shoot to the right. That's, right. A, that's a lot of mistakes. Guys set up against the tree, and they'll sit straight on at the decoy where you need a little bit of an angle if you're right-handed or left-handed, you know, depending where you can get that gun slung 
to the right. If you're left-handed, you swing around to the right, and if you're right-handed, you around to the left. You know, positioning yourself is really important and try to get that gun and leave it up on that knee where you don't have to hold it. A lot of guys want to sit flat, and, and that's fine, but you're going to have to wait on the situation where you can just get that gun up, you know, and right. that's movement. The less movement you got, the better off you're going to be. That's number one with a turkey, I think, over anything is movement. They catch it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, they'll, they'll get suspicious if there's a new stump sitting against a yep. tree trunk, but they're if that stump moves, they're gone. Yep. I mean, they're, that yep. movement is just, <laughs> it is the key. There's no, no way to overcome that at all. Well, and, and your mature turkeys, hen or gobblers, they, they, they're not real curious about that. They usually get on out there, especially those old gobblers. They just, they're not real curious. So Jake, yeah, you may get away with it or something, or maybe even a two-year-old, but these three, four, five-year-old turkey, well, I tell you what, now they just, they, they don't have no curiosity. You're <laughs> they right. leave the country. <laughs> You're right. <sighs> sure. yeah. Well, all right. So you, you kind of mentioned, or you answered one of my questions, I think, but you kind of mentioned doing some soft calling to kind of calm down a nervous turkey. Yep. So, a little light yelping, some clucks, you know, some soft purrs, clucks and just real soft. If you can do it, you know. And, and a lot of guys can't do that real good with a mouth call. You don't have to be the best caller in the world. It's just being just being turkey. Turkeys don't have a rhythm all the time. They they have an unbroken. I mean, a broken rhythm that you know they may, they don't have a set three note call or a four note call. They may you know pluck and purr and, and, and right. maybe going to three or four, five, six note yelp. They may yelp more. But, and I've learned a lot of the vocalization part of it, especially those little soft whines and, and clunks and purrs. You can't even hear them hardly with your natural ear. But I've always got those cameras out by the decoy, so right. I'm picking a lot of audio up that normally you wouldn't even know existed. Yeah. It's amazing how soft it, they, and believe you me, they can hear it. I, I, the turkeys amaze me how they can hear. Yeah, uh, they're they're way better than us on on the hearing. You know, they can pick up a turkey sound from <laughs> three or four hundred yards like like nothing. But yeah, I mean, you think about it; it's how they're geared. It's it's their it's their whole that being. Is their vocalization vocalization yeah. year round with each other. Yeah, it's how they communicate. Right. I mean, it'd be like. Us being in the woods and somebody going, hey, I mean, you're going to hear that. A turkey's <laughs> yeah. going to hear it, and it's not going to mean anything. It's not; They're not going to pay any attention to it. But they're going to hear that exactly. turkey sound from a half mile, and it's just it's amazing how well they pick up on the sounds that they make within, their, within the flock. And I, I saw that. I saw that firsthand, or heard it firsthand, I should say, hunting – Last year with with uh, with a couple of guys from Georgia who'd come in and they were running a video camera and we had a decoy set up about shoot probably eight yards from us. They had a, a a Jake and a hen decoy set up and they were bow hunting and so they wanted them in close and I'll be dog. We got a gobbler away from about twelve hens and he came in and stood. He tried to push in between the Jake and the hen decoy, and he was just going. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, yeah, yeah. it was just that loud. And 
if he'd been 12 yards, 14, 15 yards away, I, I never would have heard that. But being that close, you could pick that up. And it was – it was. Uh, there are a lot of vocalizations that we don't hear that turkeys make when they're exactly. together. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, buddy. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you what I've learned a lot of these with. Um, what I've been doing, you know, for all of you out there like the video, maybe want to video your hunt and don't have a lot of money, you know, to put in – this and that but you got a good trail camera uh, i use covert trail cameras um, and mm-hmm. i put them in hd for video and i set these up out there for one minute and they got a five second interval oh, well yeah. i put them about four or five oh six foot from about six foot probably from the decoy and hang on mm-hmm. you cannot believe at the sound and the footage that i get on those covert cameras it's it's pretty amazing that's uh, uh i get a lot of pov angles and and they're easy to set up you can just put them on the ground i just take me a little rod about 10 inches long i just went down to hardware store one that'll screw in down there and uh take a little spray paint spray paint it and that's what i put in the ground because uh, they have the screw ends on the bottom of the camera yeah and it just works out and it just you, you don't have to worry about turning the camera on turn the camera off and sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. But I just got one in, in Alabama. It is unbelievable. The, the gobbler's right in front of it. And when Angela shoots the turkey, it just blows the feathers right into the covert camera, right into the, I mean, right oh, in that's it. that's cool. Just, and then he just, right, right, it falls right there in front of it. Then you see them get up, and they're running up there, you know, with their turkey hunting celebration, and they run right up there and pick up the gobbler and it, the sound it picks up and everything. And I just, it just makes it just, just another way for, you know, try to help guys out, let them know, Hey, video. I mean, the, the trail camera is not just for photo. You can get a good, good quality video or, uh, you know, trail camera. And it's amazing what you can do with it. I mean, right. just, it just, uh, the audio on those covers just blow me away. I just, I can't get over how good it picks up especially when they're that distance. I mean, you can hear them making that little sound and all that stuff. It's pretty, pretty cool. That is. But, uh, that is cool. But, you know, that, and what I did is set up the camera. We set up the trail cameras to see if we could get anything on them, you know, walk the turkeys walking through and, and stuff. And obviously with the evening before, there had been a gobbler walked in front of the camera, you know, and we had it on photo. Well, I just took that particular camera put that rod on there and put it in the ground before daylight right behind the decoy. Mm-hmm. And then I put another one off to the side thinking this is probably where they'll come from. But I use, sometimes I use three of them. Yeah. It just works out good. It's just easy for you know average Joe to go out there and get some pretty darn good footage from that. It's, it's kind of like a GoPro, but it's, it's not that real, real wide angle. And you got really good audio on it. I, I'm just impressed with what I've been getting the last, I've been doing that. Well, five, six years, but uh, when it come out with good HD is when, when it stepped up to the plate about three or four years ago, you know, when they really right. started doing that. So, yeah. But that's just a little tip for somebody to think about when they're hunting. And which model of covert is it that you use primarily? Do you know right I've got, off the top I've of your got, head? No, I don't. Okay. I've got the reds and the blacks. Uh, I've got the 60, I think, and then I've got the 60 red, I believe. Now, the red will show up a little more. It's got the clear, but it, it seems to 
actually probably is a little more sensitive about picking up, but the black is probably what I'd recommend just because I don't think you see it come on as, as much, you know, like a right. real early morning, late evening, mm-hmm. something like that, especially deer hunting or something, you know, if you're trying to get another angle on a, on a deer hunt or something. But the 60s is what I've been using mainly, and uh, they've, got, they've got some new models that I'm getting ready to get for 2017. I, but I'm just really impressed with the audio and video quality uh, that I'm getting. Sure. And uh, it just it just adds for another angle, you know, and it's all live. And, you know, it's it's not – then it's not so much Hollywood. <laughs> we right. run, I run sometimes 10, 11 camera angles. It's crazy, but, you know, just different cameras. And I try trying to run slow-mo now to get the impact, you know, where – you see that or the shell kick out of the gun or something running at 240 frames or 120 frames mainly to capture that. Right. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that is neat. So, I, I never thought about using one of those trail cameras to put out by decoys or something like that. Oh, I think buddy. that's a great idea. Yeah. And you can, and, and the thing is in Nebraska, this on our first show, you can watch that on, you know, we're on carbon TV and the virtue dot TV basically. And you can watch this. Our shows come on, and uh, we air our stuff within two weeks. So anything I'm shooting this year will be aired in a couple of weeks. But we actually have the first show. We had such a good year last year that I, I take one of these decaps. I'm bow hunting in Nebraska, and I take a decap. And basically, I'm trying to shoot the head off the turkey. I'm self-videoing. i got another boy with me just to be there to watch the entertainment. But I call this gobbler in comes in the decoys and at four yards now i'm running i'm running the coverts on him and at four yards i literally take his head completely off i mean come off and you see all this i get all the angles off the coverts you see it taking it completely off it's crazy yeah it's 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 crazy how it turned out but uh that's pretty neat but and you can catch that you can catch that on the first show on the on the virtue and it don't cost anything to watch Carbon TV. You can watch it on your phone, or you can watch on Roku. You know, uh, right. nowadays Carbon TV and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty amazing what we can do. And and uh, we've got a great following, and I'm very thankful to to be able to make still make a good living at this because it's hard to make a living. Everybody's videoing, and it's so saturated and stuff now. And and uh, you know, a lot of that's probably because you know guys like me being able to. <laughs> do it and show them and educate and do trail uh do uh camera schools and everything else sure over the years but that's what i love to do you know and i love to give back to these special needs people and kids and and wounded warriors i'm doing an nwtf hunt there in my home state of arkansas there i've got three wounded warriors that we're going to be doing a hunt with and i'm going to be coming up for nwtf and for the virtue and uh, of course, you know I work with real tree pretty close. So I'm on the mm-hmm. bucks on the white tail. So, and I know you're exclusive turkey. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. that. But I still deer hunt. We're just the show. <laughs> the show is turkeys. I'll hunt anything pretty much. I, I'm not a huge okay. duck hunter, but you know I'll uh-huh. I'll chase a squirrel. I'll chase a rabbit. Or actually, I'll watch the dogs chase squirrels and rabbits. I don't chase much of anything okay. these days. I'm too old and slow. <laughs> But I'll, I'll hunt just about anything. I enjoy it all. I just I just love going out into the outdoors just like you do and everybody else listening to the show. You know, there's nothing out there like it. So it's fun to enjoy it. But 
No, that that's well, all. That's good. I've got two other things for you. Sure. All right. One of them is yep. I would like for you to share the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two things that made that hunt a success. So the the bird that you called in for the fellow that was in the wheelchair that completed his grand slam, was that the most recent yes. hunt? Okay. That, what? that is the most recent hunt. I've had, I've, I've, I've had four myself. We've got five successful hunts already uh, for the virtue this year. But I've had four, um, you know, they're all first times. Clint, right. um, my editor, producer, um, he's 24 years old. He got his first Grand Slam uh, also in Florida. But Scott got his Grand Slam, and that was his first Osceola. Um, and that's the most, that's the last hunt that I just videoed. And right prior to that, I had a 12-year-old boy, Seth, and his dad uh, on a hunt in Alabama. And Seth, Seth has spina bifida. And that was his first turkey. So I've got awesome. I've got several you know good good hunts. And then husband and wife uh, join Angela Rogers, who always helped. Uh, well, they actually host the event there in Alabama. This was our third year that down there, and I actually got to take them out as a husband and wife. They never get to hunt, and they right. actually got to go out for the first time again, another first, and they got a double, not just together. Boom, boom. She got hers first. Two hours later, I call this other big long beard in, and he comes, comes in, and Joy gets him. So we sat there and had patience, and they both got a gobbler on the same day together. And I captured all of it on video for them, and it's it's really going to be a good hunt. That is awesome. That is awesome. So, well, on that on that hunt in Florida with the yes. gentleman that was in the wheelchair that you were talking about, that turkey coming in slow and cautious. What yes. what do you feel yes. like were the one or two things that that happened that really made that hunt work that made that hunt successful? I mean, obviously these gobblers, they, they, hey, they had already shot two gobblers in this power line. It's okay. basically it's got a two track road to it, power line, but they'd already shot two in that area. And I feel like this turkey was a subdominant turkey. Mm-hmm. And. Florida birds are kind of like Alabama birds. You don't normally just wear them out. If they're if they're answering a call, yeah, you know, you, you have to kind of take their temperature. But I had right. just cut and called, and I and I used a combination of calls. I box called because it was loud. I wasn't hearing anything. I thought I had heard one gobble out there way off one time, and mm-hmm. that's where I come back. I cut on that box call, um, and then I ran a series of yelps. And then uh, I put my mouth call in and, and kind of toned it down and run another series like there was more than one turkey. And then all the, obviously it's not as loud as the box call. And right. we just, I mean, I just turned the camera because I had it on, Scott. We were sitting there just enjoying ourselves, having a good time. Yeah. I try to make it fun for him. Right. And we just turned the thing around and he looks down there and he says, oh my gosh. He said, there's, there's a gobbler come out of the road. He said, I know it's a gobbler because he's in full strut. I said, oh, yeah, he's heard the call. That's the one I thought I probably heard gobble. So he was down there strutting around, and he wasn't moving or anything. That's where I just done, I said, Scott, watching, and, and and obviously I got the camera and got zoomed in down there, and I was watching his body language through the camera, but Scott was watching as well. And I mm-hmm. just, you could tell he was liking what I was doing because when I would throw the little soft yelps, he would strut. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just as yeah. soon as I do, oh, 
and he just started inching up, and then he would spin around. And then that, and when I'd lay off the call, there was a time or two I thought he was losing interest. I thought, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. But once he locked on to that decoy, then that added to the realism of what he, what he was looking at. I'm using a DSD, and you know what a DSD Dave Smith hen right. looks like. I mean, they're just, they just so realistic. They are. I just started working that, and, and it, I mean, like I say, he tiptoed up through there, but we got to watch it. The thing was, the where we were set up, Scott was sitting straight on. I was just scared to death, and he, he has back spasms real bad mm-hmm. by sitting and being mm-hmm. still like that, and he goes kind of in some convulsions, like, you know, jerking. Wow. Yeah. And I was worried. He This happened two or three times, and as that gobbler got up there, he, he kept saying, he said, can I shoot him? And I said, just give him a little bit more. I said, Scott, he's, he's, he's in a trance. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. And again, I was watching his body language. He's, that old head was tucked in the whole time and he's just tiptoeing. You could, you know, you could, you could see him vibrate. He wasn't drumming real hard either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard him drum a couple times, but he wasn't drumming hard. He was, it's like he was, going to inch up to her first before he put on the show just to see how she would take him. He's, he, you know, he probably never got, got to be with a hen yet. I don't know. But as he come up there and Scott said, I'm afraid, I'm afraid my back's fixing to do it. And this, this gobbler was probably all 10 feet, 10 feet, maybe. I don't even know if he was that, but about 10 feet. And, um, by golly, he was just in that trance and he was on him. And so he took the shot and I mean, the turkey nut celebration began. And I'm just want to tell you, Scott is a good Christian man. And he literally, it's taken him years to get a turkey like this. For his wow. He's been waiting a long time. That's awesome. And I got a call from Peterson, Peterson Outdoor Ministries, Sean Peterson, a good friend of mine. And he asked me to do this. And I, I basically just, and I'm not trying to give myself a pat on the back, but my goal was to get Clint and Scott both their gobbler because it was their first. Right. First Osceola's a piece. I've been fortunate enough to, to not take many, but I've taken taken my Osceola's. And, I've, I've, you know, I've been able to get, I've never, I don't do it for, for the numbers or anything like that, but sure. I've been able to, you know, fulfill my grand slam. I've never. I've never entered them or done anything with that, but I've been able to do that a few times. And uh, anyway, it was more important for me to give up my hunt and let Scott hunt. I mean, that's just right. what it meant to me. Yeah. But when you see this man's reaction in this hunt, you'll understand why I do what I do. Oh, I bet. I've got a smile it, that I'm is, sure nobody can wipe off my face just from listening to the story. It's, it's truly amazing of what him and I got to feel out there and how humbled we are and blessed we were that day. And when that man broke down, I broke down with him, buddy, and we had a turkey hunt celebration like you'll never forget. And get this, his wife was sitting up in the van. She had slept in the van waiting on us up there. And I called her on the phone, and this is all on video, and she walked down there and got to be a part of that with Scott. Wow, that's cool. It's, it's just, I mean, I'm just telling you, that's, that's why I do what I do right there, buddy. Yeah. It ain't nothing like it. That is cool. We can give back. That's right. We've you got know, to. If we don't do that, then our sport's going to die off. We don't want well, that Well, if we don't get our kids involved, and the thing is we've got to get them involved at an early age. 
Mm-hmm. Andy, I mean, you You're know right. what I'm saying? The earlier, better. I got a two-year-old granddaughter, Ruby Bell, and my son-in-law was deployed in Afghanistan, so my daughter came and stayed with me. I was just trying to save money for her own rent that day, sure. because they were stationed out there in Fort Carson, Colorado. But long story short, Ruby Bell, two years old, and she's going up there checking in the summertime, and, and I'm teaching her what a deer track looks like, and she sees these roly-polies, we call them, and granddaddy long legs, and ooh, the papa, there's a spider, you know, uh-huh. things like that. But I'm I'm getting her out there. I've got her in the limited clothing, by the way, and I'm not trying to trying to be a, trying to sell product here, but a limited uh, limited clothing. These guys are like ticking ticks and chiggers this year. Right. We're gonna have a bumper crop of them because we've had such a mild winter. Yeah. I'm just saying I've worn it for three years and I've never got a tick chigger. Uh, it even keeps the mosquitoes off where your skin's not exposed. Um, and black flies and all that helps out, but it's it's a limited clothing made by Game Hide. I highly recommend it. It's very affordable. And that's what I put my grand grandbaby in up there in all summer. She never got a tick or chigger. But buddy, let me tell you, she likes to go with her papa to look for trail cameras and, and and of course she knows what a big big buck is we go in the house and stuff there. And you can see some of this on, on my show and stuff. We try to show some of that. Um and um you know, we're just blessed at what we do. I've got an unbelievable pro staff here all across the country for the Virtue TV. And uh, and we, we just, uh, we live and love what we do and very blessed. You know, the Virtue stands for everything that we believe in and stand for. That's, that's the easiest way I know to say it. Right. And that's why we called it the Virtue. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So the last thing that I have for you. And I usually do this at the beginning of the show, but I didn't know how well your cell phone was going to hold up during this interview. So I wanted to get the (laughs) meat of this interview done before we had a little, a little uh, fun. But I'm doing a segment of the show that's called, that I call the rapid fire Q&A. And what I do is I've got a list of 30 questions that I ask the people that come on the show. And they're not questions about, the biology of a wild turkey or really much about hunting wild turkeys. It's really kind of your preferences and a little bit about you, and it's a good way for people to get to know you pretty quickly. And okay. just to make it interesting, mm-hmm. I put a stopwatch to everybody that wants to play along, and we <laughs> see how quickly you can run through the questions and see if you can beat the fastest time that's out there. Are you willing to play along with the rapid fire? <laughs> I guess. I have no what idea what we're getting into here, but uh, why not? Huh? Well, that's part of what makes it fun. It. Well, <laughs> it's not all about the winning. And uh-huh. I'll tell you that I had Will Primos on, and he's the only person that finished it slower than I did. And I wrote these <laughs> questions, and I finished it. I and my slow. goodness, Will, Will, Will can be that's, – that's funny you're saying that because Will can – he's pretty hyper. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're right. But he also, he's like me, likes to talk. He, well, he told me when we started this, he said, uh, I'm not going for the fastest time. I said, why not? I'm I'm not going for the fastest time. I want to go for the best answers. I said, all right, let's do it. So I've got yeah, the stopwatch up. Like minute, yeah. All right, good. And, and that's fine. I've got the stopwatch up and I'll start the stopwatch on the first question and 
we'll run through these just as quick as I can ask them and as quick as you can answer them, and I think you'll have fun with it. <laughs> okay. That's the, that's the real thing. Let's just have fun with it. Sure. All right. You bet. Okay. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola or with water? Water. Number of grand slams? Four. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Yes. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. Ten-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour-long hunt with a clean miss on a (laughs) four-year-old? Clean miss on a four-year-old. Favorite camo pattern? Real true. Wild turkey legs, for dinner or for the dog? Dinner. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? More. <laughs> state, the state you killed your first turkey in. Arkansas. The state you killed your last turkey in. Oh, uh, Nebraska. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Sit in the blind for four hours. Patience. All right. Rios or Osceola's? Rios. Rios or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriam's? Easterns. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight, or beads? Shotgun scope. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Rubber boots. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Iowa. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Uh, 16. Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Um, probably, say, seven. Out of all the states that you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? Alabama. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Be the yelp. The best turkey hunter you know? Uh, ben Rogers Lee. Did Favor- know, I guess. Yeah. Favorite turkey hunting book? Uh, I have a wild turkey. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? We know that one. Ben Rogers Lee. <laughs> Think of the toughest turkey you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? No. All right. Do you prefer sharp? Long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Long, sharp spurs. The biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Patience. How long does turkey season last in heaven and what is the bag limit? Turkey season lasts forever in heaven. It's infinite. And the bag limit is as many as you want to feed feed all your friends. (laughs) I like that. All right. I have three minutes and 1.23 seconds. That is pretty strong. Let's look and see. Oh, Ernie Calandrelli has beat you by about 12 seconds. So that's not too bad oh, a time. Oh, Ern. Yeah. Oh, Ern. He, he must have been wound up. <laughs> He's a dandy. <laughs> He's a good guy. He's a dandy. He's a good yes, guy. So I started all this over with new questions when I interviewed Ernie. This has been about three or four weeks ago. And I said, Ernie, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to finish first or you're going to finish first? Because these are these are new questions and I've got to give you the same questions that I've or I think it's only fair that I give you the same questions I've given to everybody else if I'm putting you up against them time wise. So you're going to set the standard for everybody that comes after this with after you with this set of questions. So he did good. You did good. You you rolled through those pretty quickly for somebody who said that it wasn't about time. It really wasn't, but I mean, just on some of that, you know, I mean, that's a tough uh, question when somebody asks you who's who the best turkey hunter you know is, and I probably ought to throw that question out because, you know, 
I, I've got well, three or four buddies so that are good. That are, yeah. yeah, there are so many good ones. And what do you judge a good and, one and, is? And, well, and, that, and there's turkey hunters that do this for a living in front of the camera, which, you know, and then there's guys that go kill turkeys. That's I know, exactly you know, right. if I want to go, you know, I know how I used to be. If I didn't take the camera, I mean, they're just very seldom a day I couldn't go out and get a turkey. Sure. I mean, that's, you know, I don't mean that. I hope I don't sound sarcastic. It's just, but the thrill of turkey hunting for me is to call it in. I'm just not one to, you know, a lot of guys want to ambush them. I'd like, I like to hear that turkey gobble. I want to see him do his thing, drum and spit and drum and and put on a show. When you pull the trigger, I mean this literally. When you pull the trigger, the fun's over. And yep. I just, uh, I, and that's, and I've learned a lot from the turkeys by being out there just videoing them. I, that's what I've done for years, just before season. I just go out there and video. I'm, I wouldn't do a lot of calling. You don't want to educate them. I know that. Mm-hmm. But I would take a decoy or something like that and, and just play around with them. And it, it's amazing what all, you know, just what you get out of it. Because when you pull the trigger, you, you quit learning. If, if you know, you're turkey's right. not teaching you anymore. You're not getting you're to right. watch that display, and you're not getting that. You know, sometimes your heart beating completely out of your chest. <laughs> no doubt. But it's it's uh, it's it's. I tell you, I, I love turkey hunting because it's something that. What I love about it is being able to share with somebody else. I loved. That's the most fun for me is to go and have fun with somebody else and share it as a, as a grind or one or two people, you know, yeah. and, um, deer hunting's a lot more serious for the most part. And, you know, duck hunting for the most part and waterfowl is really good to, for the camaraderie, you know, just out there in the blind and stuff there, you know, by the way, I shot my first mallard this year Did you? and, really? uh, I got two double, got two doubles on teals. It's the first time I ever went duck hunting, believe it or not. I, I went with George Lynch, Lynch mob calls. Right. And took George, some friends of mine over in East Arkansas over there. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. The most fun I got out of it is watching the dogs work. Oh, oh yeah. It just, I, and I'm out right out there in the water trying to get the slow-mo stuff, you know, and just uh, carrying those ducks and going and retrieving them and just their actions. I, I just really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, that part uh, of it. I, sure do. I, I sure do love hunting with dogs. They're just, their commitment you're, and their desire right. to please is unbelievable. I know. I know. It's I, so I much just, fun. Uh, and that's what I really, uh, the camaraderie, everything was good. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. it was a special moment to watch to watch it, that dog work. And, and now I know why guys get so, I mean, I love animals anyway. But right. I know now why why a dog just becomes part of the family like that, you know. You know, when why these when they got when they lose their lab or something, you know, and he gets too old and he passes on, you know, it now I know why. They they just it's like losing a member of the family. And I know because that's that's really what they are. You're right. You're right. You you can't take care of something for that long a period of time and not get attached to it and know that oh. that something loves you unconditionally. And so exactly, and and yeah. that's right. And they they doing everything they know how to do to please you. Yes, that's, that's what and and how you can 
and they'll mind and discipline way better than most most children. And you most know, adults. For the most part. It, yeah, hey, that's true. <laughs> that is true. My dog, who he passed away several years ago, and I hadn't replaced him just because I, I travel so much, no, and I felt I like it wasn't fair to, to do that to a puppy. He minded a lot better than I ever have or ever will. So it's yeah, I'm just I, I was really impressed. I, you know, it was pretty neat to watch him. Yeah, well, good deal. Well, Philip, I appreciate you so much. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been a lot of fun. It's been very educational for me. I'm sure that there are a lot of listeners that are going to get a lot out of this as well. And tell us one more time where and when we can find. The Virtue. Okay. The Virtue TV, all these shows are archived, so you can watch. we got four seasons, almost 100 shows now on The Virtue. It's through CarbonTV.com. Mm-hmm. It's free. doesn't cost anything. Go to CarbonTV.com, or you can go to The Virtue. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TheVirtue.tv. You can find us on Twitter. Um you can find this, but you can watch it any place, anywhere, anytime. I watch it on my phone sometimes, dead time, middle of the day or something. You can catch it, but we've got some really good hunts. I mean, I've been blessed to shoot a lot of big deer, um, primarily a bow hunter. Shot a lot of turkeys with bows, but I also do a lot of stuff with the special needs kids and special needs people and uh, and on these turkey hunts and stuff. We try to give you a variety. Right. We try to entertain, inform, and educate. Absolutely. Yeah, I highly encourage you guys to go check out Virtue TV. And Philip, you've been a pleasure to talk with, and I greatly appreciate you. I hope you guys travel well, safe, I and, and I hope you have a very successful hunt in Nebraska. Well, we do too. We're we're right here in Kansas City right now. Clint's driving. I'm in the back seat, <laughs> and the traffic's pretty hectic, and it's raining. But you know what? Hey. Weather controls a lot of our hunting, but you just got to make do with what you what you have, you know. Very true. And uh, we, that's 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 what we do. Uh, and there there'll be there'll be something good come out of this because there's, there's no give up in us. We just don't give up. I don't give up. That's one thing you learn about me. I'm not better than anybody else. There's just no give up in me. I just keep going. And the good Lord guides me. He guides my arrow. And if you don't mind me saying this, this is a a virtue prayer that I do at the start of the hunts and stuff like that, and it goes like this. Dear Lord, guide my arrow and bullet straight and true so that I may give all the glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Randy. Anytime you need anything from me, you just feel free to give us a holler, and we'll do our best to get back with you for sure. I've enjoyed this as well. Well, I appreciate that, and that offer goes this direction as well. So if I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to hit me up. All right, buddy. We'll just get us an old Alabama turkey tied up sometime and we'll, we'll, we'll go down and get a double. How's that? Woo, I'll be like with you when I shoot that. my first Alabama turkey. Yeah. I'll see if I can't get you one tied up and I'll shout at you. All right, buddy. You take care and God bless. Okay. Thank you too, Philip. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right, I hope you learned a great deal from that interview like I did, and I hope that it will help you to feel a little more comfortable watching turkeys work into your setup or your decoys. I know it'll make me more comfortable watching them work into my setup as well. Philip, if you're listening to this episode, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and time with us. I appreciate you, and I know our listeners do as well. 
Okay, now before I let you guys go, I'm going to ask you for three, count them, three favors this week. I know I really need to ask you for just one, but the other two favors are so easy and enjoyable that I have confidence in you being able to handle all these tasks this week. All right, number one, if you learned something from today's episode and you haven't already done so, then please leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That is so extremely helpful because it helps people who stumble across the show on iTunes to be able to know whether or not the show's any dang good. So by leaving a review, you are helping new listeners to decide whether or not they want to listen to the show. And by leaving a good review... You're helping a brother out. All right, number two. This one is easy, and it's enjoyable. Go to Carbon TV and watch Philip Vanderpool's shows on there. You guys, I can't ask you enough to support the guests on this show who support you by sharing their knowledge with you. It means a great deal. They're giving their time and their knowledge to help you become a better turkey hunter. All right, here's number three. This one is so easy. Be safe in the woods. Many of you will be hitting the woods this coming Saturday, April the 1st, and I need you to be safe out there so you can be sure to come back and listen to next week's episode. Well, and probably more importantly, your family's counting on you to come back home safely as well. So think about it before you do it in the woods. Identify your target before you squeeze the trigger. You can never take a shot back once you squeeze that trigger. Always know what is behind your target before you shoot. That's it. That's all that I have for you guys this week. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.